0: I told Holly I was going to say good morning. She's so easy doing it, and it is so hard for me just to look at you guys and say good morning. So I said good morning, and you say? Good morning. morning. Way to go, Jim. (laughs) All right. So this is a reading from John 1, 29 through 42. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the spirit descending from the heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the chosen one. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look! There is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, one of the two heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, you are Simon's son of God. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Thanks be the Lord.
1: Good morning again. On this second Sunday after Epiphany, I'm Kara. I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis, and this week we turn to the book of John and more glimpses of the identity of Jesus. So I have a lot of things I kind of nerd out about, but I nerd out about stained glass windows, all right? Probably the next tattoo I get will be some kind of stained glass window look, but I'm still trying to figure out the art for that, so any of you creative types can help me out, but... Recently, I was visiting another church and I was um, with my daughter and my nephew and we were trying, we had a lot of time before this funeral started. So I walked them around the sanctuary and we, I told them the stories from the windows. They were super curious about this one that had a shell and a bug and like a little jar and like a guy in this really hairy coat. And I explained that was John the Baptist. So he baptized people using the shell. The shell is a symbol of baptism. He is said to have eaten locusts and wild honey, which they thought was super gross and kind of cool. And then he wore a camel hair coat. I've always liked this slightly strange character of, I'm just gonna move this minute. It's like in my peripheral, sorry, Katie. I've always kind of liked this weird character in the Bible. He was super focused on what his purpose was, and he was kind of like the opposite of a faith celebrity. Somebody joked this week, if John the Baptist had had like social media, it would have just been a profile picture of him like pointing away from himself, right? Pointing towards Jesus. And anytime anybody posted on his wall, his responses would always be like, you need to go see the Lamb of God, not me. I'm not the guy. John the Baptist was pointing to Jesus before he was even out of Elizabeth's womb, as we heard this Advent. So here we have John, and he's um, baptizing people, and the priests, the Levites, the Pharisees, they've got a few questions for him. Namely, what are your credentials? Who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? And he tells them, of course, honestly, that he's not. And they continue to push back on him and ask him to answer for his actions. He says there's somebody already in their midst, and they don't know, but it's the one they've all been waiting for. So our text this morning begins, and John sees Jesus and is like, see, that's the guy. That's the guy that I'm talking about. And he tells them the story of God's anointing presence on Jesus, confirmation that he is the one they've been looking for. And John tells two of his followers that Jesus is the one, and then they start following Jesus. So I feel like John is this anti-influencer, and certainly as far as his own gain is concerned. He's not looking for likes or subscribes. He's simply saying, go follow this guy, Jesus. He's the one. If John has a brand, his brand is not me, that other guy. We learn a little bit about the identity of Jesus here in John 1. And there are four titles that are used in this passage that it reflects Jesus' identity, or at least the expectations that people had for him. Lamb of God, Son of God, Rabbi, Messiah. There's a good chance that Jesus didn't live up to any of those expectations, at least in the way that people wanted or hoped. Because his arrival, his life, his death, his resurrection, none of that was gonna be how these people anticipated or what they hoped for. And his words were kind of confusing, And much of what he said redefined everything people thought. He wasn't advancing, advancing a political agenda. He wasn't going to shift the rule that changed their daily life, but that's getting a little bit ahead of our story. So this particular portion of scripture is a call and response between the religious leaders and John the Baptist and between Jesus and soon to be disciples. So there are three particular statements that I found found of interest today in this call and response. Jesus's first recorded statement in the book of John is, what are you looking for? That is such a great question. I think I kind of add that to that list of the neon signs that flash in my brain. If any of you are in the 3 a.m. can't sleep club, that's me, I'm a charter member. What are you looking for? Jesus doesn't begin his ministry with a miraculous healing or preaching, or as my nephew wishes, with lasers coming out of his eyes. He begins with a question What are you looking for? Jesus asks them what they want. What are they hoping for? What do they need? Some of us aren't used to hearing that kind of question, right? Or considering what that feels like for us to answer What do I want? What do I need? What a beautiful invitation from God incarnate to humanity to be able to name what they are searching for. Bruce Eppertley is a theologian and and author, and he said, God speaks to us in our gifts and in the events of our lives, and we respond embodying God's call in our own unique way. So the spiritual journey involves an adventure of self and God discovery of opening to the deeper dimensions of life, many of which were unknown to us until we embraced the question, what are we looking for as the catalyst for our own journeys? So I'm going to invite us into a little experiment here this morning, and it may may be kind of cheesy, but let's try it, right? So I'm going to ask you to, don't worry, nothing too weird. I'm not going to make you get out of your seats or trust fall or anything, whatever. We're not doing that. So just sit comfortably and close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and out. Imagine you're sitting across from Jesus. Maybe it's by a campfire or on the dock of your favorite lake. Maybe it's over a beer or a cup of tea. And Jesus asks you, what are you looking for? What?" are you seeking? What do you need? What's your response to him? Imagine that Jesus is listening to you, that he's hearing and receiving your response with gentleness and kindness. What are you looking for? You can open your eyes. The second curious statement for us this morning for me comes from John's disciples who are soon to be Jesus' disciples. When they ask him, where are you staying? The Greek word for staying is not simply an ask about geographic location. The verb here is meno, which translates to abide, to remain, to endure in the sense of permanence. It's used when John the Baptist recognizes Jesus when the Holy Spirit remains on him in 132. When Jesus provides enough bread for a crowd with plenty left over, he cautions people not to work for food that perishes, but for food that endures, that verb meno, in John 6.27. He, prov- he promises that he will abide, meno, in those who abide in him in John 15. Reverend Audrey West says the disciples are asking about the enduring dwelling place of this lamb of God. Where can we find you? Where shall we go to be with you to receive what you have to offer? Where can we be in the very presence of God? Dr. Alice McKenzie says about our Greek today to stay or to remain is one of John's distinctive verbs. It's used to refer to the relationships between Jesus and his followers. Jesus's words to the disciples and to us are an invitation into discipleship and belief. What did the disciples experience with Jesus? What might we experience if we wanna stick around with Jesus? If we seek out intentional time to commune with God, if we are strengthened then in the telling of our own story and what we've experienced with God? We might have our lives be more attuned to living in the spirit. We might be like Andrew, empowered to invite someone else to come and see this person of Jesus. We might be like Peter and be given a new name. Our third statement from John one is Jesus, Jesus's invitation to come and see. I, I think often what would it have been like to have received that invitation, to have like been uh, in Jesus's time, and to have experienced that invitation to come and see. There are five different Greek words for seeing used in this portion of scripture today. And because I'm clunky when I say those words out loud, I'm not gonna tell you the five. See me after if that's really important. But that gives us an indication that we're talking about something richer than simply sight. Within John's gospel, the idea of seeing and knowing and witnessing are critical. Jesus's approach to ministry was full of invitations. Come and check this new thing out. And sometimes I forget that we are invited by Jesus to invite others to check things out and see for themselves. You guys, I have, I and some of us, have a very complicated past with the word evangelism. Even saying that word gives me a little, I don't know. It's far too complicated for this sermon Mostly it's, for me at least, it's cringe-worthy stories and some unsettled feelings of manipulation. That's my experience at least. Or being someone's project or being guilted into writing down the names of people that I wanna try and save. And also I'm likely the product of someone else's evangelism. I was invited because I was a project and I still met God in that space. So it is so complicated. <laughs> Thank God for therapists and people in community and the spiritual directors to help untangle all those pieces. But what if these days I like to think about what it means to have something good that you want to share with someone else. I love giving recommendations to other people. Like I love it. I love to find like my favorite paper. I know everyone, most people know this already here, but I love to find my favorite pens. And I love to share them with, yep, Joan knows. I love to share them with other people. My favorite paper, I think I've pushed pens and paper and special things on a lot of you this week in different staff meeting, narrative circle. But when I get excited about a thing, I like to share it with other people. Come and see this thing. It's so fun. It's so great. Maybe this is for you too. I don't necessarily do it very much or very well when it comes to my own faith journey. But what if I could think about it in a new way, of sharing it the way I share the other things I'm excited about? Not to coerce, not to save souls, or strengthen the army of God, or because I put someone's name on a list to bring my world to Christ again, what? I'm just like, trigger, trigger myself. I should know these things. Not to say them all out loud. Not to do those things, but because I have been in a place where I've experienced welcome. I've experienced the good news that God calls us beloved and that God draws near to us in the person of Jesus. I have experienced the release from religious systems that bound me in fear and pain, and I have found freedom in a community that welcomes the wild and expansive love of God. I found a community of folks who don't have all the answers, but invite the questions. And I want others to have that too. Sometimes we do it through an actual invitation. I got I've gotten kind of bold lately and even put on Facebook, Hey, are you looking for church? You could come to our church, which let me promise you I've never ever invited people to church before. <laughs> okay, no, strike that. In my like <laughs> fervent middle school days, I invited a lot of people to church, and no one really came. but But I started to do that on Facebook, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. I'm posting, like, I go to a church, and would you like to come? but I invite because it is this, this place, even in this like small, interesting iteration of who we are, I want others to feel the freedom that comes when we welcome one another into an expansive faith. And sometimes we issue the invitation simply by existing as people who embody love so John had a short and simple message about Jesus. Jesus is the lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. He saw something in the person of Jesus and he said something to everyone about it. So our two all plays today are a little personal, but I'm gonna invite you guys to get a little brave with the answers. So the first all play, what is your short and simple message about Jesus? Like, if you are at all compelled by the person of Jesus or the ministry of Jesus, why? It doesn't have to be some kind of theological argument. It can just be like, why? Why Jesus? Or why not Jesus? I don't know. Why Jesus? Probably. That's probably easier today.
0: Makes life better.
1: Makes life better. Expansive love. I feel like that probably has to be my next tattoo. Honestly, I say that phrase so much now. No one's
0: excluded.
1: No one's excluded. Broken Broken barriers. Thanks, Steve. So the second I'll play with that might be even, I don't know if it's more personal or not, but why be part of a church? Like, why did you show up here today? No one's excluded. No one's excluded. All right.
0: Community.
1: Community. Common ground. Common ground. Because your mom made you, Dan? No, I'm just kidding. Is that you, Dan? Your mom made you come? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know, that was the only one I saw that had, like, (laughs) poor Dan, he's sitting with his mom, Dan, 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 you are such a good, good sport. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For those at home that can't see, Dan is here, and his mom, Denise, is sitting next to him, so I just was giving him a hard time, like, did your mom make you come? No. Dan would be here early, every Sunday, all day, if we... (laughs) if we didn't tell me how had to take a break once in a while right well i'm i'm part of a church because i i want to practice a faith that's rooted in care for my neighbors that's centered in god's presence through the holy spirit i'm here and i follow jesus because i want to celebrate my belovedness as an image bearer of the divine. And as a welcoming and abiding love for Jesus, from Jesus that knows no conditions. And I'm part of a church here because I want to practice that faith within this community. I want to wrestle with questions with all of you. I want to hold on to hope alongside each of you. I want to experience the joy in the telling and retelling of where we see God at work and I want to lament alongside all of you when we experience pain and disconnect and injustice together. I'm part of a church because I don't really know how to follow Jesus without all of you. Come and see, says Jesus. See that there is a way to follow Jesus that's full of love and welcome and hard roads and companionship and truth and struggle and rest and delight. And this is perhaps a god we could proclaim together that when we felt far from god when we felt words of condemnation over our lives sometimes from other christians or from the established church god can remind us in community that they drew near to us in the person of jesus that god calls us beloved that god welcomes all of us as we are Perhaps this is the one that we want to come and see. So can we notice what God is doing in our lives and share that in a normal, non-weird or coercive way and invite others to come and see for themselves? This is the way Jesus ministered to people, always the invitation. This is what John does, this is what Andrew does in the scripture. In John's gospel, Jesus doesn't even call the first disciples, right? John told the people that he knew, and then those people sought out Jesus. Because John knows the goodness that God offers them. That the healing and the liberation that he is ushering in is what the people are yearning for. Our own invitations from John 1 today feel both simple and complex. Jesus asks what we seek, what we're looking for. And when we want to know more about him, he says, come and see. Check out this path I'm on and see if you find life in it too. Because in Christ's love, we can find the gift of welcome, of love. We find in it the task of welcoming others, of expressing love for others. Jesus has arrived on the scene. God has entered the world. We notice and share it with others. What is the divine possibility in our midst? What is the holy adventure that God is inviting us to? Howard Thurman, theologian and mystic, wrote this beautiful poem that always kind of comes to mind for me in January. It reminds me of our invitation today. Thurman wrote, When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are back home and the shepherds are back with their flock, That is when the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others, and to make music in the heart. Thurman reminds us of this adventure that begins for us in this time of epiphany. We come and see the ministry of Jesus, and we are invited to go and do likewise. So this week, consider the words of Jesus What are you seeking? And if you find inspiration or settle on a response, I'd love to hear about it. My job as your pastor is mostly to be a fellow companion with you on this journey that we're we're in. And I'd love to hear how it's going or not going. And if you need some ideas for how to abide in Christ this week, might I suggest a few ways to lean into the practice? Perhaps spend time in meditation and centering your body. Consider how attuned you are to delight and to joy in your midst. Remembering to breathe deeply and to exhale, naming your divine image-bearing body good. Sit with a scripture text or a beautiful poem. Watch for ways to extend compassion and kindness. Lean into prayerful moments and notice the places that require your attention and a pursuit towards restoration and justice. Beloved, this is the good, good news, that God draws near, that we are loved and welcomed and invited to see Jesus, and that we do not undertake this alone. May it be so. Amen.
0: Endings are a place where life is re-